What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, uh, and I'm sitting alongside my best friend, Michael Gray. Uh, we've got a special episode of the Forging Fury podcast today. Um, it's going to be a little bit different energy, a little bit different vibe, but yeah, it's been a minute before me and Michael have been on a podcast in a while. So Yeah, the quarantine really took it away from us there for a while, so yeah, we're, it's good to be back. We're trying to get back to it uh, as much as we can, but we just wanted to hop on the microphone and, and honestly just talk about the current affairs of what's going on. Um, I honestly want to, well, we both want to start with maybe a, just a 10 second silence for George Floyd. Yeah. Today, uh, that we're recording, this is June 4th and today he was laid to rest, um, in, I think it was in Minnesota where it happened. So, uh, it's especially poignant for us today, even though it won't be that day when we release this. So yeah, I'm, we're gonna, I'm good to go for that. Yeah. 10 seconds of silence for, for George. And we're back. So we just wanted to do that just to start start things off and kind of even open the conversation of what's currently going on in our world. And it seems like the world's on fire right now. It seems like you have to stand for one thing or the other thing. And I just feel, honestly, a, a lot of division at this point. Like I feel more divided than ever than I can remember in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, when did you first see the video of the police interaction with George Floyd. I saw it. I say police interaction as if it was an interaction. I mean, it was <laughs> the situation that happened with him. It was awful. You mean the murder? Yes. Yes. Um, I saw it on Instagram, to be honest. I saw someone posted it and a retweet of maybe a news source of some sort. And the video just got, it went everywhere instantly. Like it was everywhere. Yeah. What did, did you see it on the news? Um, I forget where I see it, where I saw it, but I, I did. I, I, I could only watch a certain part of it. Uh, it broke my heart to a level that I can't even begin to comprehend. And, um, it makes me sick to even talk about it now, but the only part I was really able to get through, I mean, I saw parts where he was struggling and saying he can't breathe and you could just tell there was pain in his face and there was, he was having a hard time breathing like he was saying. And, uh, you could kind of tell when he was near the end when he called for his mama twice. When I heard that, I turned it off. I couldn't, because I, I knew that he died. I didn't want to watch him die. Do you think the officer knew he died? I don't know. I, I don't know either. I didn't, again, like I said, I watched just a portion of it. So, I mean, the picture you see of him is just kind of looking at the camera like, yeah, what do you want to do? So, I don't know. I have no idea what was in his head or what was in his heart. I just know what I what I saw was wrong, and what I saw was terrible, and it was tragic. Absolutely terrible. And someone who did not deserve to die was taken from this earth. Somebody who had family who loved him was children. taken from this earth. Is a daughter who had children who will never know their dad. This is the last memory they'll have of him. Yeah. That just it should not have been. It should not have done. It, it should done. not have happened. It's, it's easy to say, and I've spoken to plenty of cops around this area and cops all over the world, really. And a lot of them have a certain stance, like, "Hey, they got out of line. Like that shouldn't have happened." Like when the police, I think, when they see it, they're like, "Oh man, like that got out of hand." Do you feel like? police are properly trained in de-escalation like do you think they know how to de-escalate certain scenarios uh 
I'm not going to speak to what I know about police training because it's I don't know anything. I, I Me have either. I have seen enough videos to know that it's not like every cop is trained to sit on the neck of somebody for eight and a half minutes. I yes. know that's not the case, and I think everyone can agree to that. Yeah, and I have seen cops de-escalate things very well. So, um, I don't know. I. I'm okay with people needing to be restrained. I'm okay with a lot of things, but there's just no there's no way you can excuse eight and a half minutes. You yeah. can't even excuse three minutes on I someone's neck, I don't think. At a certain point, my thought goes to at what point did the police officer think he had the hand, situation handled? Was was did he think he was still at risk with his knee on someone's neck for nine minutes? Like, cause I think, uh, in I'm, my opinion, his knee was on his neck because he thought he didn't have the situation handled with three other cops around him. Like, what were they? Like, what was going to happen next? Like, was he not cuffed? His hands were cuffed, right? So, as I understand, yeah, he was cuffed and so had been for a little if, while. If he, even if he gets away, which would be impossible, because your knee is on his neck, my man's handcuffed. Right. What's the worst that? <laughs> He can do handcuffed, running away. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that in my head he did not know he was killing the guy, but how do I, I don't know. He very well may have been like, yeah, this, maybe he thought, hey, I'm just going to knock him out and then that'll be the end of it. He won't be struggling anymore. And I, I have a hard time thinking someone would just wantonly kill someone like that, especially someone who's tasked to serve and protect the community. But I mean, the human heart, I have no idea how to, to read a human heart. And I think that that's, I think he would be capable of just doing it because he didn't care. Yeah. But I also think it's possible he was just not realizing the extent of what he was doing. Still doesn't excuse it, though. It's disgusting. It's absolutely just, for me, it makes my stomach hurt. Like, I want to vomit even kind of reliving and just talking about it right now. It's absolutely just ridiculous that... I mean, even just from like watching it, like people were saying, hey, stop, like, hey, hit your, like people, bystanders were saying like, hey, you don't need to do that. Yeah, that's something that was interesting to me. I, I try to think, what would I do if I was in that position? I have a very, very, very high respect for police officers. Um, people might call me a bootlicker, whatever you want to say. I, I feel like they put their lives on the line to serve and protect and the vast majority of them majority of them are good people and do their job well and care about their communities. I can't understand people standing around with cell phones for that amount of time watching him die. Mm. Now, I would never want to assault a police officer, but honestly, I would I would somehow let them know, dude, I am not armed. If you don't get off of him, I'm going to come and take you off of him. Even if it took them even if he had to get up to deal with me and put me on the ground to handcuff, I, I think I would have done that because I could not watch that happen. I wanted to reach through the phone and just grab him by the neck and just pull him off. Yeah. No assault. Didn't need to beat him with a brick. I didn't need any of that stuff. I just needed him to let another man breathe. And I don't get people who just sit there filming it with their phones. That kind of disgusts me, and I have no, no idea who they were. Well, but it bothers me. The, the wormhole that I've gone through in my brain is like, what if that person with the phone wouldn't have been there? Were there several people? I think it was several people. But what no? if they all wouldn't have been there? Would have there ever been any documentation to fully enforce the law? Do Probably you not. Think uh, if that well, video doesn't exist, what happens? Who knows? 
That's scary to think. It is. Don't I, you think that that may, that, that, that's scary to think that that could happen. And I'm a big proponent of police wearing body cams because I think it holds police accountable and it also can tell true stories um, on the other side too. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm great. I guess I'm grateful that the guy was there. To me, it sounded like it was maybe a group of people and I know they were begging. Oh, there like, was, there was a group. Of people. Okay. So there was more than one cell phone. Like if I was the only guy there, I was on some country road and I was filming it. I mean, maybe I'd have to just keep filming it somehow, but it, it was sad to me that nobody, again, I don't want to assault a cop, but I would have gone to pull him off somehow. Somehow. To, Every bone to in my body would from, have been like, hey, this is not right. Like something has to happen. But what do you do? I mean, they begged. He didn't respond. You're going to get they shot begged. probably. You're probably going to get some type of physical altercation with the other three police that are, that are just sitting there watching it happen. I would take a, you know, a torn shoulder rotator cuff because I got taken down if, I, if it would have saved a guy's life. I would have been okay with that. Now, and maybe I would have gotten shot. Maybe I wouldn't have helped the situation because I would have gotten shot too and maybe another person would be dead. But I, I just have a hard time believing that I could just have been inactive in that. Yeah, I, I and, and I've seen, listen, I, I've, when I was a teacher, I used to walk home from my school that I taught at and I've seen fights in parks and stuff. It's amazing to me how many kids just pull out their phones and love it. They love what they're seeing and they love the fame they're going to get by putting it on Instagram. That's a sickness to me. And I, I, I don't want to even in any way compare that to what this officer did because they're, they're not, not in the same all. realm. But at the same rate, I'm kind of like, like I said, if I was there, what would I do? And I think I would have, I think I would have risked it. And maybe it's easy for me to say as a Monday morning quarterback, but that's how I feel. It's a sickening thing to think of what, well, to think that someone would want to videotape that, like would want to videotape that, and to think if they never would have videotaped that. Like I've gone both down both wormholes in my brain. If that footage doesn't exist, what happens? Is are he, we even is he about, on the streets yeah, now? Are we even talking about George Floyd? Maybe. Not, maybe not. We, ne- we won't know, but still, it's, it's a scary thing. No, I, th- I, think, I think on some lo- level the video brings truth to light the reality and I, I think people that's, see what actually happened yeah it's, and i, it's I think that drives home the drives home the pain that people feel when they watch it especially the black community i would imagine yes you know it really just drives home because you see someone's life end i mean not every day you watch a video where another man kills another man no it's sad it's the saddest thing. So today, like I said, was a funeral, and I did spend some time watching the funeral. I just kind of thought, you know, I'm not a I'm not a protesting kind of guy, and I kind of thought, you know, if for some reason that guy hadn't been arrested and charged, this could have been an incident when I could have seen myself protesting, you know. And my my way to kind of honor him was just to kind of look in on the funeral, and that, that's another thing that. <laughs> I hate watching families grieve on national television. Like I kind of wish it was like, look, dude, don't have CNN in there while you're crying over your dead loved one. Well, maybe they wanted that. They'd had to, they'd had to pass off on that. They'd have to say like, yeah, they did. It just makes me sad that they couldn't grieve in private. But anyway, I looked, I was one of the people that looked in because I just wanted to see it. That was kind of my way of paying my respects to him because whether he was drunk, whether he was trying to, um, pass a $20 counterfeit bill. I don't like any of that stuff, but none of that's a death sentence. And I think he died unjustly. And I, I pray that justice is done and that people who are in charge of that go about it the right way and get him on what he needs to be gotten on and not like overshoot and then cause 
something to happen if where he doesn't officers get don't get convicted if they somehow beat these charges the place everything will burn here if somehow some way they get off it will be madness i, I don't even want to think about that but if it does happen that's it it will be unforeseen absolutely pandemonium absolutely outrage and i think it's it's very important that they get charged with the right, right crimes um keith ellison who i'm not a fan of in general uh he's the attorney general there and he just upped the charges from third degree murder and manslaughter or something like that for the officer that um murdered the man murdered george was it second degree now yeah it's second degree mm-hmm. which i think he's got a chance to get him on that. Now that requires that they prove that he set out to kill him, that that was his intention. That like, that's kind of a risky move. And it makes me a little nervous. There are people out there saying, why aren't you trying him for first degree? And I'm like, I don't know enough about the law to kind of have a stance here. I don't know the difference in degrees, to be honest. You have to be able to prove intent and, and like planning for first degree murder. That would be like, I stalked a woman for a few months. I went in, I raped her. I kept her for a few few days and then I eventually killed her. Like that that shows forethought and planning. Now, watching it on video, my emotions say, yeah, that's that's murder one right there because it was so detached the, from my humanity. man had his hands in his pockets. George did? No. The policeman while his neck his knee was on his neck. Oh, I thought he just had had, had his hand on his side. But anyway, he was nonchalant about it. And as much as my emotions want that to be murder one, there's the descriptions of those are legal descriptions and you have to meet a certain criteria. They're not just descriptions of how much we hate what we saw. Because in my, in my heart, I want that to be murder one. You can't prove that in a legal court of law. So I hope they don't try to overshoot. I think second degree is probably something he's going to be able to get. I'm hoping he gets that because I don't know how he walks. I don't, I don't know. If in it, and I don't know what the other officers should be charged with. Uh, I don't know. That, that's hard because yeah. I don't. That kind of makes me think that they didn't realize what was going on, but I don't know how four people may, so, don't realize what's happening. And I've gone through this thought in my brain. is like they weren't reacting because maybe they do that all the time. Like they've seen that happen before. Or they, they've played this scenario out in their head where they could just like where they've seen it before where they could just stand there and everything would be okay. Like maybe, or maybe they had no idea how deep his maybe, knee was yeah, in his neck or something. Both, but both are possible, but it's, it's scary to think it's about. It's a dereliction of duty, I think, because eight minutes is an awfully long time. Nine. 846 or whatever. Yeah. But then we have this utter like explosion of reactions in the world. We have protests. We have burning of buildings and cities and social media days dedicated to honoring Mr. Floyd. Um, and I, the reactions have been heartwarming and seeing people come together and, and seeing people unite has been great. Like we're capable of that. Like we need to come together during this time more than in my opinion than anything. Um, and then you've seen the bad. We've seen both sides. We've seen looting. We've seen police being victim like we've seen murders we've seen murders i am i am from the standpoint of an eye for an eye is not not what we need here 
Like, I don't think that that's the way. Well, eye for an eye was always carried out by a third party. It wasn't like, I'm going to take your eye because you took mine. It was, that was never what that was meant to be. But I think with how sad and depressed the George Floyd thing made me, this compounded it. I wouldn't want to say doubled it because, I mean, on some level doubled, doubled it because you don't want to see a guy get murdered, but you also don't want to see the, the riots that are happening. Especially because, kind of like you said, I feel like for the first time in a very long time, the vast majority of America was united on the fact that, dude, this guy did not need to die. There were not anybody that I ever saw that defended, well, maybe the officer should have done that. Now, I'm sure there's some wackos out there who do that. Mm -hmm. That happens. You're never going to not have that. But I felt like we were united, that this was wrong, this was unjust, and then it just all went to pot. Like... Do you think that the well? Um, do you think the media is pushing the narrative? It's pushing the separation. It's pushing us to think like these people. Like everything is. They're trying to make us go apart. Like major news outlets. The media lives by the creed: if it bleeds, it leads. Okay, they're not. They're not going to sit there for. 10 minutes out of, for, you know, 20 minutes in a, in a segment on a peaceful protest, even if people are angry and yelling, they're going to go send their cameramen where it's getting nuts, where the fires are starting, where the police cars so are show the over. worst, the worst possible. Of course. Cause that's what sells. Mm. And then what happens there is then that kind of gets notoriety and then it gets, get, just gets worse. And it's hard for people like us because now we don't see I say people like us, meaning people who are sitting at home watching. Now we don't see, hey, this is just a peaceful rally where, you know, a black man and a white man came together to pray for racial healing in America. No, this is people looting and stealing TVs and stealing shoes and tipping over cars and beating people with two by fours. Like it, it just causes division because I see protests now equal riots in my mind on a, on a big level. Yeah, I don't see them as the same. I don't think looting is protesting and protesting is looting. Like they're not synonymous to me. If you read, like I was reading, I think it was Associated Press or no, it was actually Arizona, uh, ArizonaCentral.com, which is Arizona's big news source. They kept showing people burning things and they kept talking about them as protesters. Protesters turned over a car and beat an old woman with a two by four. And I'm just like, there's no, they didn't just differentiate between what the protests were and the riots were. And if you just look at the media, you're going to get a bit of a tainted view on some level because I, I know that not everybody out there was protesting and not everybody out there was rioting. Mm. So it just makes me sick because I felt like we could have been unified on this and we could have moved forward, but it, the division just grew, grew deeper. I, I've never, I'm, in my 28 years on this earth, I've never felt more divided. I've never, and I've never felt united at the same time. Like I've never felt as united. So I've never had an issue like have my friends and other people like defend themselves almost like we, we talked about earlier is blackout Tuesday on Instagram. Like the whole, basically you posted a picture of a black screen for black lives matter. And somehow like that was your ticket. Like I've just felt like, I don't know. I I was torn between because all exposure is good exposure. If you're posting it, cool. It might help the movement. It might help help awareness. But 
at the same time, like the same time, I don't need to post a black photo for or a black picture of a photo for people to know what kind of human I am. If you know me, you know me what kind of human I am. You know I'm I would never do anything wrong to any type of person, just like you. Like I know Michael Gray. He's he's one of the best humans I know, and a black picture on a screen isn't going to like validate him as not being a good person. Do you do you know part of what Blackout Tuesday was for though? Wasn't it supposed to like keep traction for the movement? Like you'll be able to find material on the movement, partially. But then it didn't it up a big, black like it it hurt it like. It kind of counterintuitively blocked people getting good information because they kept searching and they all saw black photos. One of the one of the things that it was intended for, as far as I understand, is for certain people to be silent about it, to not talk about it so that the black community community could talk about it, which I had a bit of a problem with because I want to talk about it. I think it's unjust, and I don't think that because the color of my skin is different from the man who died, that I should shut up for a day. No, I didn't. I didn't post anything, and I didn't post anything against it. I'm not about that, but it was sad to me that it was like, on a lot of levels, it was, a, it was white people saying, we're going to shut up because we've got nothing to say because we're white. And I, I, that's, that's a divisive thing to me, and I know people weren't trying to do it to be divisive, but I felt like that was a that was looming over it and that was hard for me to see. And I, I'm just, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong on that, but that was my understanding of part of what it was for so that our voices are shut off and other voices could be amplified. Yeah. And maybe we needed that. And I just missed the boat. And this picture on Instagram that everyone posted, like it's just, to me, it's like your, your words are nothing. Your, your Instagram posts are nothing. It's your actions. Their actions should should speak louder than anything you put on the internet. What kind of people you are, how you treat people, and how you treat people of all different colors, creeds, sexual orientations. Like that's who you are. Like this this little picture that you're posting or whatever you're doing. Like it doesn't make you like it doesn't. If you still go back to go back to being a shitty human, like you're still that. Like the black the black photo doesn't give you a pass. Like. And it doesn't know. make you a good human either, I wouldn't say. No, it doesn't. But I, one of the things that was hard for me, I've said a few times already, I, and I don't mean to drive it home, is how sad I was for this situation and for George specifically. But I don't know. I kind of felt like I would be viewed negatively if I didn't put something up. And I didn't end up doing it. But I, I hated that pressure that if you don't do this, you're not sufficiently concerned enough. And, and I... I've never been more saddened at the death of somebody I'd never met in my entire life. Yeah. Honestly. I've been saddened at deaths in my family, people I knew, things like that. There's been tragedies in my own life I've been saddened for, but he, watching him die, that was sad for me. And I hated the feeling like, if, if I don't put something up, they're going to think, yeah. A, I hate black people. B, I don't care. Like, that was sickening to me too. And I, I spent the whole day, I, I just got off of it eventually because I was like, I can't, I can't live with this guilt because I shouldn't. Like you said, mm-hmm. I am who I am people yesterday that, as yeah. I, today as I was yesterday and the day before. People know you know who you are and nothing is going to change that. And, if, and guess what? And if you are a bad person, people know that. People know that. People know how you treat other people. Yeah. They know. So what's really funny is I didn't know anything about Blackout Tuesday and I guess... 
I, I, well, I chose to post a video on Monday. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I swear I didn't know about Blackout Tuesday. I wish you would have asked me to do that workout with you. I would have. I posted that on Monday of like a nine-minute AMRAP of bar-facing burpees. And, and for me, it was to honor Mr. Floyd, honor people that have been victim, all people that have been victim of police brutality, honor the policemen that have been out there in the streets. Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. And honor policemen that have fallen trying to protect us. Like, it was for everyone. It was for both sides. Like, I, if that makes me bad, then I am guess I'm bad. But I wanted to take time, and I cut all the fans off. <laughs> I wanted to make it as... Oh, long, you did? Oh, yeah. I wanted to make it... No music. I wanted to make it as uncomfortable. And I'm not even comparing that at all, but I just wanted it to be real. Like, I wanted to just, you know... And for that nine minutes, I just thought about it. I just thought about Mr. Floyd and, and his daughter and how how hopefully this something good comes of this. I know it sounds so bad to say that, but I think something good will come from this. Do you think looking down the looking at it now, do you feel like things good are, are coming from it? Because to me, I, I'm just I'm almost depressed, dude. And I, you know, the quarantine I've already talked to you about that was kind of hard on me because you know. The routine has changed and things are changed and, you know, there's fear and it's been there's a, judgment about yeah. masks, stuff like that. And I was already a little down, but this has just really gotten me. Do you feel like things are moving toward better or moving toward worse? Uh, I think in the words of 50 Cent. <laughs> Virtue <is>, signaling? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> this kidding. is Actually, I love 50 Cent. 50. Joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. So we need, like... It's we're, there's going to be another side of this. There's going to be good that comes out of it. And that's just how I am as a human. Like if you go through, it's just the hero's journey. Like you go through bad times and something's good's going to come out of it. And it's all about perspective. Yeah. I think that's wise. And, and I'm hoping that right now this is just the grieving part of it. And you know, it's, everyone's got to get worse before it gets better. I will never, I will never defend rioting and looting. No. Um, I just won't, but I'm hoping that that stuff dies down. It gets under control and the sincere people whose lives have been hurt can move toward healing. Yes. I'm sincere in it. I know a lot of the black community is sincere in it and they want things to get better. Some people don't. Some people thrive on the chaos and that sickens me, but I hope that they will fade by the wayside. You know, I, I've got a lot of views on things related to systemic racism, things like that. And I thought about, should we talk about that now? And I was talking to Heidi a little bit yesterday. And the only thing I came up with was a story um, about when Sayla was being born. Heidi had gone into labor and she, we took her right to the hospital and her labors are usually pretty fast. So they got her in there, got her hooked up and pretty quickly Sayla's heart started to, D cell is what they call it. So they were getting nervous, flipping Heidi over on her side, trying to monitor it. And people were coming in and out and they were prepping her to go to the OR to get, you know, to get the attention she needed. Cause in the, in their OB triage room, they didn't have what they needed in case they needed to do like a C-section or whatever. And I remember all this is going on and I'm concerned about what's happening with Heidi. And a lady comes in the room just doing her job. Okay. She starts talking to me about my insurance plan. Here's what the cost is because we didn't have insurance at the time. We had to pay cash. 
she's like, um, I'd like to get a down payment from you. And she was doing things that had to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. She was doing them at the wrong time. I was concerned about Heidi. I was concerned about the health of my baby girl that was about to be born because people were freaking out around her. And she was like, can we deal with this? And I was probably rude to this poor woman. I said, I'm not dealing with this right now. I'll talk to you later. Get out. And I was harsh with her because there's a time to talk about things. There's a time to deal with the bills of labor. Now's not the time. And I wanted to talk about things because I think these issues need to be talked about, but I'm realizing now's not the time. Mm. My views on things are important, I feel like. Having this conversation is important, but this is not the time. We need to focus on the big thing at hand, which is the man was just laid to rest today. Mm. The country's in upheaval, and I don't. I, what's the point in talking about it? That's not important right now. So I'm focusing on a life, a person created by God, in God's image, snuffed out of this earth for nothing. That's what I care about right now. That was the most awesome Michael Gray story that's ever been on the podcast. <laughs> I've been agonizing, dude, because you told me, like, was it yesterday you said you want to do this or two days ago? Maybe two. I've been sick to my stomach. Yeah. Because I was afraid of the things I was going to say and the things, you know, I think about the issue and whether or not I should even have a voice or if I should just sit down and shut up. It doesn't matter. What matters now is we care about the lives of innocent people. And right now, George Floyd is laid to rest. There's other innocent lives that are now being affected, and we need to care about those too. And I want this to stop. I mean, looters aren't going to be listening to this podcast. (laughs) If you are, knock it off. Yeah, dude, dude, stop, you dummy. Yeah. So, anyway. Wow. I'm very. That was was good. I really, you know me, I have a hard time holding back yeah, on my views. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, we, I mean, and our goal of having this conversation just between me and Michael is hopefully that it can set up some conversations with, with your friends, with your, with your family, with your loved ones. Like, we're trying to set the table so you can kind of, I mean, and, and you've talked me off the cliff of some of my beliefs. Like, I'm like, okay, maybe that wasn't right. And I texted you last night. I was like, hey, you challenged me to think in a different direction than I normally would. And- Everyone needs that in their life. Yes. Everyone needs that. So this conversation was just really just to help kind of stimulate other conversations. And hopefully you can have these conversations with your family, your friends, your your lovers or loved ones. Your lovers. Probably have one, maybe love, one lover. <laughs> okay, just keep going. Our love is a podcast. That's what we're saying, right? Yes, yes, for sure. I think one of the things too is uh, I, I'm not a big feeler. Like I feel things but I, I also run them through thoughts, which kind of tempers my feelings a little bit, which drives people nuts sometimes because sometimes I come across as more analytical. But I thought during this, I'm like, okay, people always say to me, you don't understand what it's like to be black. That's true. I will never understand no matter what I do. If I live in that community, I still will not ever understand. So I thought, what can I do to try to at least take a step to try to understand. And I just, I came across a book written by Benjamin Watson, who is a, I think he's still current tight end for the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that I've known for a while, not personally, but I've trusted him. I believe in him uh, as a man, as a, as a Christian, as a man of faith, things like that. And I bought his book called Under Our Skin, which I'm just a few chapters into. And it's challenging and it's, it's hard on some levels. Um, it reinforces my belief on some things and it challenged me on other things. And that 
you, you've also kind of done that for me because you and I don't always see eye to eye and I don't want to just sit here and be like, well, you got to listen to what I have to say because I have learning to do too. And I'm trying to do that. So I'm hoping this book will shed some light on it. Yeah. For me, this issue is just really close to home. Like if you guys don't know this from the podcast already, like I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, and I grew up with a lot of African American friends. Like I had a lot, like I grew, they were my first friends. Like, like, I don't like how I said they, can we get that out? No, it's good. They were my first friend. I feel like they just sounds bad. Yeah. Your first friends were black, black kids. I get that. Yeah. So like I have been witness or even been like, I've seen this. Like I know what this looks like. Police harassment, brutality. Like, and for me, this is just struck a, like a deep, deep, core and I was almost like outraged when we first started talking and like we've been texting back and forth and like I was just like how does Michael not understand like I, I don't know maybe it's just home to me like it, it what rem- did you think I was not understanding well specifically I don't and, and what you said that really changed my mind and my output was like our experience shapes us right and, and that was like oh okay I can understand like Michael didn't grow up with majority of his friends being black guys. No, I grew up in Salt Lake City, which is very low population yes. black. But what, what I find interesting about that is black families in Utah were kind of a rarity. Mm-hmm. And you would think it's like, okay, in a white-dominated society, these people were probably treated terribly. We, they weren't as far as I knew. I, I felt like all the black families I knew were well-loved and weren't treated any differently. So to me, I'm, I have a hard time even seeing America as being that. You know what I mean? Yes, it's, it's definitely geographically a little bit more different wouldn't you agree and i'm learning that i I, i'm learning that people in the south feel this much more keenly i've talked to some other friends of mine who grew up in the west and honestly like the importance of race never was ingrained in me in what in any way shape or form and treating people differently because of the color of their skin is so foreign to me you know what i mean so uh i have to realize that that's just my that's my growing up maybe that's just growing up in a a church going family who has specific values toward that kind of thing yeah. that people are people no matter what their skin color is. And I don't treat people differently for skin color, for uh, sexual orientation, for handicaps, for disabilities, for having long hair like you and muscles, right? right. I don't treat you differently. Hey, you, Even though son, I hate you. Your son down. just told me I look like Jesus. So, <laughs> so you told careful. you, you told him you look like Jesus. He said, <laughs> we said you look like Samson. Well, okay. I'll, both are both are great, I guess. Yeah, you claim to be the Messiah, not uh, hey, him. Hey, no, 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 no self proclamation <laughs> here. Uh, but but you're right; those experiences matter, and I don't see it, so maybe I don't understand it. That doesn't mean my experience is, is I, not. I've important seen it, too. and I still won't understand it. Like you know, it, it's just it's we will never know. So here's what I'd like: I I'd like to have the conversation of race in America. We're two white guys, essentially. I mean, you're. I know you claim you're. Puerto Rican side. Bro, I'm Cuban, man. Cuban, whatever. On, What's man. the difference? <laughs> oh, God, cut that out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would love to talk to, I'm going to say black people. I don't mean to, if African Americans what you prefer, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I would like to talk to some listeners who have firsthand knowledge and who, who feel the racism that would be systemic in America. Because I have a hard time with the systemic racism in America. Well, I've spoken with a friend from Cross of Fury will remain nameless. And he was talking about, I asked him, I said, straight up, I'm really trying hard not to say his name. Yeah. Um, I was like, hey, would you- Will he come on? Oh, he totally would. Well, okay. We Let's should have him, him on. I want to. 
Ernest, Ernest Carson. All right. Uh, he would I knew it was Ernest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I said, Ernest, what is the best case scenario for you? Like you personally, like what do you, how do you feel justice will be served? Like best case scenario for you. And I told him I was going to put this on the podcast. So they're fine. Okay. He said, the best case scenario for me, what would I love to be done is to just have justice served to these officers and let it be an example of what could happen in the future. So Ernest, if, I'm on board with you hundred yes, percent. If these cops are held accountable for their actions in the, in the right way and are, and, and are taken care of through the legal system. And that sets a precedent of what could happen if you, if that happens again, because he said he can't really think of a time in history where they, I mean, where the cops are held accountable. He just wants that. And maybe that's, maybe he just doesn't know history. Neither do I, but he wants the people to be. There's there's enough times where they haven't been that it's, that that stands out. I get it. That burns more. He wants the cops to be held accountable for their actions. And and when it, it sounds so simple when he told me that. And I was like, who's, who's going to disagree? Yeah. Like, yeah, don't we all? We want that. And and I was thinking, he's like, this is just small picture, like big picture. There's a lot more things that we need to tackle. But in the small and right now, and the things that we want to deal with right now, that would be the best case scenario. And I was like, that was amazing. Like I felt, I, And it's like, I totally agree with you. Like, how could you not? How could anyone not? Right. Do you know anybody who doesn't? And that's the thing. Why, when we're so unified, is this so divisive? That's what I don't get. That's what I. That's what makes me mad. And honestly, you you asked me the other day if I'd go protesting with you, and it. And I thought about doing it. Can I say that? (laughs) Yeah. I I thought about doing it, but I'm still going to do it. You can, but you should. I, I would ask what the what the point is now because George has been laid to rest. These people have been arrested. They're going to be charged, and if. If the prosecution can actually do what they're supposed to do, they will be convicted and get the punishment they deserve. So it's hard for me to protest because I feel like justice is going to be served and I believe in the process. And maybe that's maybe that's naive of me, but until I see otherwise, I'm just going to believe well, in the process. Well, from the, and I, this is what my thoughts are, speaking from black people's perspective, they've never seen the law work for in this scenario for them. Notably, notably, okay, notably, bigger, bigger stories. I mean, there was that guy, I think it was in Virginia who was running away from the police officer and got shot um, as he was running can away. Can we talk about Trayvon Martin? That like, he got off with that. Well, he wasn't a police officer, so I don't think that is quite uh-huh. the same thing, but I mean, I, I get it. But what I'm saying is like the guy, as he was running away, got shot by a cop. Was who it Rodney just King got, too? Well, I, I don't know. They had the footage, bro. I know. Again, I, I don't know too but, much about that. I know I lived through it, but I was a kid but at the time. don't you, like, I think it's wild that we're still having the conversation. Like, let's have it. Look. No, I, no, no. I it's, think, it's something we dealt with almost 50, 60 years ago, and nothing has really changed. Do you ever see a day where that'll be changed, where there's not going to be a bad cop in no. anything? Do you ever see a day where um, any everybody's going to do right? It's never going to happen. For me, it's like, is there ever going to be a day where every CrossFit gym is perfect? Like when you put it in that scenario, I'm like, oh no way! There's no way they're all going to be perfect. Yeah, and even if everybody tries their best, Do like somebody's going to screw it. I up. I don't think we should compare the things. So I think we should take that out. But the, the, that's the point of humanity, though. We're we're going to be flawed. We're going to screw up. There's going to be bad police officers. The idea is 
find ways to make them being bad a painful thing to the point where like we hold them accountable like we would anybody else. There's going to be bad people who are arrested who want to assault police officers and who need to get taken down. It's just going to happen. And so I, I don't think we can ever look for that utopia and ever achieve it. We just have to take strive the next step it. to get better. Yeah. And I'm for that. We have to strive for excellence, but know that's not possible. So let's get, let's get Ernest on. I'd like to hear Ernest's view on things. Yeah, uh, but that's going to be a wild interview. I know. <laughs> we, we had him on for our Christmas episode. Yeah. <laughs> that was just a preview. And then, yeah. He's been wanting to get on for a while. Has he done his podcast yet? Because he no. said he was going to do a podcast. He won't, the, the podcast. Bro, I gave you microphones, man. Get going. What are you doing? Sitting at home. Podcast. Let's go. I love you, Ernest. Does he even listen? <laughs> I don't know. But if he, he will, if he's on. Yeah. I And if we have this conversation, I, I know most of you out there don't know me personally, at least not to the level you do. I, I want, I don't think you get better unless you talk about things. And sometimes... I'm going to say something that sounds stupid. Maybe I say something that is stupid. That doesn't mean we need to resort to, hey, he's obviously racist or even like implicitly biased. Like that's the new thing now. Like, well, everybody who's white has some bias in them no matter what. Well, I'm like, everybody who's a human has some bias in them no matter what. So what's the point in focusing on that? Well, because every human has their experience. And and what you said, our experience shapes us. Yeah, our parents, our community, our personal experience. The dude we went to third grade with. Right. Yeah. Steve. Yeah, freaking, you know, he had a beard in third grade. Like, how'd that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) That's the type of people I went to school with. Okay. Yeah. Somebody been held back, I think. (laughs) Maybe. But well, I think I think the last thing we want to you know leave with, at least for me, I know you've probably got some notes you wanted to talk about, but I think that we have to be better on um, a personal level. You know, you treat the people in your lives with respect. When you see something that isn't right, feel free to speak up about it. You know what I mean? But don't always assume the worst in other people. I mean, I even think with this police officer. I don't know that what he did was a racist thing. He very well may have been a card-carrying KKK member for all I know, but I don't know, so I can't say he did this out of race. I know it, because I don't, and I don't think anybody does. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying don't attribute motives to people if you don't know for sure that's the case. Yeah, I, would, I couldn't agree with you more. Because th- that's divisive too, I think. Yes. Even um, if it's well-intended. I think my closing statement for this topic, I'm, I'm just going to reference something. I put on my Instagram story, and it's just a picture, and it says, until you fix it here with a picture of a heart and address it here in your home, nothing changes here on the earth. So, I mean, like I said, we're doing our part. Well, first of all, you need to fix it in your heart, which takes time and, you know, thoughts and, you know, almost like you need to do some thinking and some kind of mulling over in your brain and some internal battles. Like you need that internal thought process of going through and challenging your own thoughts and challenging your beliefs and challenging things to kind of against your opinion and see different views. And I feel like that that's how you can have a change of heart for sure. And I love that. I love reading things and talking to people that are against my views, but that has become so rare. And that, and we said that during our political episode, right? Like, It's rare now. And I'd like to be a part of that conversation. Yeah. White, old, fat me. I would like to do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't, I'm not going to hold back. I feel like 
the conversation should be had and, and I'm I want to have it. And I think the conversation in your home is just as important as like f- having your kids and, and speaking with them about it and your, your family, we need to all have a conversation as a family and talk about this. And that's where it starts. Like my mom, she's the biggest saint. Like she's worked at the school, same school for 20 years and every, like it's in a horror, it's in a bad neighborhood and the population of the school is very predominantly African American, mm-hmm. and and it's just she wants to bring the kids home with her. Like my mom is just an absolute saint, and and never raises to see anything like that. Like mm-hmm. I never grew up feeling that color was an issue. Never. I mean, ever thought of someone differently by the color of their skin. Never. And and that's just because my mom and my family taught me that way and it seems so crazy to think that there's homes out there that teach their kids like these people are bad these people do this these people do that like the fact that even happens throws me off yeah and one of the things that disturbs me is i think the trend now and maybe it's just the trend that the media is sending out there is that now saying your race or color blind is a a bad thing to say like you need to see people's color and and for people like you and me, that's going to be nearly impossible. Because like you said, I was raised that, hey, it doesn't matter what this guy's skin color is. He's a child of God. You treat him with respect. And I'm worried that we're moving toward more division. We're moving toward more segregation. Like, not segregation where, like, the white people are saying, you black people have to go over here. But, like, black people are segregating themselves. White people are... are secular. What? It's very secular. It's becoming more secular. Secular, oh. Like d- divided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that secular not mean that? No, secular means just like not religious. Oh. <laughs> and that's okay. But w- what's alarming is churches are a very good example of segregation. I mean, there are black people generally go to black churches. White people generally go to churches. Unless your name is Riley Kilbride and you went to Brooklyn Baptist in West Columbia, South Carolina. What up? See? If you're listening. There you go. <laughs> Brooklyn Baptist. <laughs> what's up? Talk to that pastor. He didn't do a good enough job on Oops, you. <laughs> boy, he... <laughs> Yeah, all of us on that team needed a lot more work, let's be honest. Yeah, but I just, the the future divisiveness is what, what I see down the road, and it, it scares me and grieves me, and I don't want that. So, Yeah, I'm, there's not really an appropriate way to end this one, but just love everyone. Like, I put love wins. Like, love is, like, being compassionate, being loving towards all humans. It, that's the end of the day. That's that's how it is. That's how change starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just love. Do it. <laughs> Try it. Make it. Uh, oh, wait. Hey, guys. Thanks Thanks for listening. <laughs> we we appreciate you sticking with us through this tough topic. And uh, if you want to, if you have anything you'd like to say, I mean, we'd love to hear from you on, on this. Um, we just ask you keep it as good-hearted as you can. You yeah. know, we don't need, we don't need to cause more division. I don't think that the two of us have done that here. And we just don't, we don't want to be a part of division, but we also don't want to shy away from talking and having conversations. We so, want to bring people together. Yeah. And if you want to, if you want to be part of a, an episode where we discuss race and you can do it with a respectful tone and, um, with a thoughtful mind, yeah. let us know. Cause we're, we're going to do that here in the future. It's going to make some people upset, but you know what? Screw them. Yeah, exactly. We're doing what we <laughs> need to do. All right. Love you guys.